the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Monday, January the 13th, 2020, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today on January 13th, 2012, the Italian luxury liner Costa Concordia ran aground off a Tuscan island, flipped on its side. Remember that ominous pictures they kept showing this gigantic big cruise ship laying on its side just looked like just a little ways offshore in fact i think the as i recall 32 people were killed others were injured it was seen around the world for days and days because the ship was there they couldn't remove it at first but um i think the uh, the captain as i recall was one of the first guys to depart from the ship and he got out of they got on one of the lifeboats and got away from it uh, he was charged criminally, but um, he said that the reason he was so close to shore, he was trying to give the passengers a good look at whatever was there to look at. Not a wise decision on his part. But anyway, that happened today, 2012. Today in 1794, President George Washington approved a measure adding two stars and two stripes to the American flag. That followed the admission of Vermont and Kentucky to the Union. However, the number of stripes was later reduced to the original 13. Today in 1864, American songwriter Stephen Foster, he died in poverty in New York Hospital, was 37 years old. Stephen Foster, among many things, wrote the song that we hear so often, My Old Kentucky Home. Uh, they sing it at the, um, the Big Horse Race and um, every year in uh Lexington, I think it is. Today, in 1941, the new law went into effect granting Puerto Ricans U.S. birthright citizenship. Today, in 1978, former Vice President Hubert Humphrey, he died. He was 66 years old. Boy, all these guys are dying. They're young. Today, in 1992, Japan apologized for forcing tens of thousands of Korean woman, women to serve as sex slaves for its soldiers during World War II citing newly uncovered documents that showed the Japanese army had had a role in abducting the so-called comfort women. I've spent a great deal of time in Korea and some time in Japan in missionary and Christian work. I will tell you that Koreans in Korea have not yet gotten over some of the atrocities, this being one of them, that happened to them in the past. Even Christians are still dealing with some feelings about all this. Today in 2000, Microsoft Chairman Bill Gates stepped aside as chief executive, and he promoted the company president, Steve Ballmer, to the position. Today in 2003, Connecticut Senator Joseph Lieberman, he jumped into the 2004 race for president. I noticed this morning that Cory Booker, I think the last non-white person in this woke, as they say, group of Democrats who want to be president of the United States. He's the last one of 
that wasn't white. He's out now. And he said he just couldn't raise enough money, so he stepped aside. But uh, Lieberman has been in and out of the presidential fray often several times over his lifetime, but today in 2003 was one of those times. Today in 2018, a false alarm that warned of a ballistic missile headed for Hawaii sent the islands into a panic. I remember this well. You probably do also. People were abandoning their cars on the highway. They were preparing to flee their homes. Later, officials apologized. The media here, of course, was going crazy on the mainland here. But officials apologized later. They said the alert, this bomb is on its way alert, was sent out when someone hit the wrong button during a shift change. That's not good. In Daniel chapter 2, verse 20, and a few verses following through 25, the Bible says Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my fathers, who hast given me wisdom and might, and hast made known unto me now what we desired of thee. For thou hast now made known unto us the king's matter. Most of us know that story. I I would imagine that uh, those of you who are listening today, it goes on to tell the king, Daniel does, that he got a, received a dream from the, or a revelation from the one and true living God, and he told the king what his dream, the king's dream, had been. None of the other wise men of the time could do that. He also went, in, went on in chapter 2 and following to tell him what his dream meant. That's called discernment. I'm going to be talking a little bit about discernment today in the context of what's happening in our world. And that's what we attempt to do every day on this program. That's why it originates live. I know it's delayed in a couple of markets where it's now heard, but for the most part, it's heard in um, live uh, at 9 a.m. And then it's delayed in Seattle and a couple of places that we're on. We're not on a lot of places, but where we are. But that's what we try to do. And that's why we stay, try to stay current. It, it It's, more work for us, and it's certainly more work for some of the people in the radio stations where this program airs, and I, I'm very grateful for that. I'm sensitive to it. I thank you. But we do this because we can talk about what's going on in our world as we speak at the moment, rather than taping it and putting it on the shelf and playing it at a later date and so on. There's a place for that, but this isn't, this isn't the place. So that's why we do what we do. And I, many of you who support this ministry recognize that and you express your appreciation along with your financial support of what we're doing here. This letter says, Dear Gary, it's a rather lengthy letter. I'm not going to read all of it, but it says, Dear Gary, this is long overdue. It's set with a, a donation to the ministry. This is long overdue. I've been listening since we moved almost five years ago from Knoxville, Tennessee to Coeur d'Alene. I so much enjoy your program and want to write you about three things. Anytime somebody says, I want to write to you about three things, 
you just kind of think, boy, I wonder what I said. To, you know, I, I mean, but that's not the case. Number one, amazingly, I do not have anything to contend with you about. I find that we are apparently in the same camp and my arguments with your programs are non-exist- non-existent. I believe we are about the same age. Huh, he must be about 39 or something. <laughs> no. I think we're about the same age and have lived our lives as born-again believers in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. Please keep up the excellent work encouraging us to fight the good fight. Number two, this brings me to topic number two. I believe I agree with you because so much of your presentations and discussions are based upon God's holy word and that you quote quite often. We do. The third, and he goes into some other personal matters and all that are very interesting. I'll be responding to him with a note. But he says, number three is coffee. He said, you are apparently a coffee aficionado. Much as I am. Well, I I am. In fact, I have a cup of coffee sitting in front of me now. I can't drink it because I'm talking, but I can smell it. It looks great. And I had some of it before we came on the air. Thank you for that. And I want to thank all of you for your support of this ministry. Couldn't do it without you. Wouldn't exist without your financial support and your prayerful support. Our address is Box 399 Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Democrat Bloomberg, the eighth richest man in America, person in America. He said yesterday, he said, he said, I'm spending all my money, and he's worth, uh, I think, about $40 billion, eighth richest guy in America. He said, I'm spending, I'm quoting him, I'm spending all my money to get rid of Trump. He's rejecting the criticism from his rivals among the Democratic um, candidates. He says he's rejecting their criticism that he's trying to buy the election. (laughs) But that's kind of what he said. He said, I'm spending all my money. I don't think he's really going to spend all of his money to, but those are pretty strong views. So he's not really running to help America like his ads say. He's really running to get rid of Trump. That's a very different motive. He said, my number one priority, I'm quoting this guy. My number one priority is to get rid of Donald Trump. I'm spending, I'm still quoting him. I'm spending all my money to get rid of Trump. He said it about four times to the press. He says, do you want me to spend more or less? End of story. Elizabeth Warren is pretty upset about that. She's upset about a lot of things. She always has her hands in the air. You almost wonder, she better be careful. The Lord might transform her life. But anyway, she's always got her, she had both hands up in the air, her arms extended. She was flailing them around in the air yesterday. and She, she was very upset. She says, she says Bloomberg is spending $37 million over the weekend on television. I saw a lot of his ads. I'm sure you did, too, if you watched any television. He said, she said, Elizabeth Warren said, he's trying to buy American democracy. Not really, Elizabeth. He's trying to get rid of Trump. That's sort of the state of our politics in America today. It is sad. She's been calling for reform, 
She wants to take, these are her words, take money out of politics. Well, good luck, Elizabeth. I don't see that happening anytime soon in a nation like this. U.S. Uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, she said the House Democrats will determine on Tuesday, that's tomorrow, when to send the formal impeachment charges against President Donald Trump to the Senate. She warned that Republicans are going to pay a terrible political price for denying a trial with witnesses. Mitch McConnell has told her she's she's not going to run the Senate, that he runs the Senate. She's been demanding witnesses, and he said he's not going to do it unless he wants to, and he doesn't think he wants to. Pelosi was on uh, ABC's This Week yesterday. She said her caucus will be meeting on Tuesday morning, tomorrow morning, and they're going to vote on the timing of sending articles of impeachment to the Senate and naming trial managers in the House. She said, and I quote, I have always said I will send them over there. So she said, what's the big mystery here? Well, she hasn't always said she will send them over there. She was saying, I went back and checked her words. I didn't spend a lot of time on her words because I don't think they're worth it, but I did recheck this before I make make this statement. And she actually did say here a while back that she was deciding whether or not to send them to the Senate, the articles. So she's not exactly telling the truth, or maybe she's just forgotten. She seems to forget a lot of things. She also told ABC that the Iranian protesters in the streets that were in the news over the weekend on television and printed in newspapers, a lot of newspapers, she said all those pictures of the Iranian protesters, she said they're joining with the, I'm quoting her here, they're joining with the Soleimani fans, that's the guy that Trump took out, the head of the terrorist division of Iran. She said they're joining with Soleimani's fans, and all of them, all of them, she said, were rallying against the United States of America. She went on to say that we have a great problem here in that. Well, we, we do have problems, but it, they're not exactly the way Nancy Pelosi is defining them. It's very interesting. It's interesting how the news is reporting these matters. It's interesting how Ms. Pelosi is reporting these matters. The U.S., the press, Hollywood, their protégés in the far-left progressive political community would have us believe that the United States, specifically President Trump, has pushed us to the edge of World War III. I can't tell you how many times I heard that, and I didn't watch as much news as I sometimes do over the weekend. I do so because I want to be informed as to what they're saying, but I also do so because of this program that we do daily, live. So they use that term, World War III, all the time. So I wrote an article today. It's titled, World War III Update. And um, I've noticed a lot of people have already read it this morning. Uh, in East, in the East particularly, it's published here in the West where I live, but um, it's it being read by a lot of people. But the update is that I don't think we're on the verge of World War III. I mean, I, I don't know what they're saying in Iran, but I know what they're saying, at least some of them are saying. A closer look at what's actually happening in Iran, it gives a very different picture than Pelosi and others are trying to give to America, particularly our press. In fact, the emir of of Qatar, or Qatar, Q-A-T-A-R, it's pronounced both ways. I don't know which is right. 
But Cutter, this guy, this emir, emerging from a meeting with Iran's president, said yesterday that de-escalation is the only way forward. And he just came out of a meeting with this Rouhani, the president of Iran. Could it be that President Trump's policies are actually working? Well, if they were, and if they are, and I, I tend to think they are, Nancy Pelosi is way off base, but according to the Iranian people on the street, they're not they're not protesting against the United States. In fact, one report is out there that says that quotes Iranian people on the street, not one person, but many. They're, they're saying the enemy is within Iran. It's not the United States. Boy, you won't hear that on your news today or yesterday. In fact, yesterday, the news began to leak into some of our conservative news reports that there's considerable difference between what we're being told by our own left-leaning news organizations and what's actually like Jeff Bezos' Washington Post and what's actually happening in Iran. Equally important is what they're not reporting. Iran thought they cleared up this passenger plane matter, and that's a big deal in Iran. Iranians are very upset about it. And um, the the officials in Iran kept, kept saying for several days, no, we didn't shoot them. Oh, it wasn't us. It must have been the U.S. somebody. Was, we didn't do that. Finally, yesterday, they admitted that they did, in fact, shoot down the plane. They claimed it was an accident. They said they didn't intend to shoot it down. It was human error. Who knows? I don't know what the, was in the mind of the guy that pulled the trigger, but they said, yeah, we did that. Many Iranians are very upset about that. And they're more upset even that the government tried to cover it up to their own people. They shouldn't be really upset. I mean, they shouldn't be surprised. Upset, yes, but surprised, no. I want to talk a little bit more about that in just a moment. But the same leftist progressives who've been trying to remove Trump from the Oval Office since he was elected in 2016 in the spirit of Bloomberg... They've moved their methods from Russian collusion to incompetence to a phone call with a Ukrainian leader to two articles of impeachment that reflect their extreme dislike, hate, really, for the president with no specific charges of illegal or wrongdoing. Friday, Pelosi passed a war acts resolution, that's what she called it, in the House. Some of the House members wanted to vote against it. They were threatened. If they didn't vote for the war acts resolution, they would pay a steep penalty, including the Democratic Party would not fund their next re- uh, help fund the, their next re-election uh, campaign. So all of this is going on, and she's was claiming as late as Friday and over the weekend that Trump is leading us into World War III. But the Iranians, the people of Iran, are saying something a little bit different than that. When Trump took out this Iranian general, Soleimani, on January 3rd, the head terrorist of the, he was the head terrorist coordinator in the world. Iran promised to retaliate with vengeance. So with quote-unquote vengeance, Iran bombed a couple of remote Iraqi air bases that have a U.S. presence. Nobody was injured or killed there. Yesterday, Reuters reported that another remote Iraqi base about 50 miles north of Baghdad had received a couple of bombs. They reported four were wounded. 
the story goes on and on and on until uh, only when you get deep into the article do you learn that no U.S. soldiers were injured. They had gotten a four-hour notice that a bomb was going to be sent over there. I mean, think about this. Our own military is saying they had several hours' notice before the bombs were launched. FARS News Agency, it's a news services out of the Middle East, they reported yesterday that in a meeting, I'm quoting them, in a meeting between Iran's President uh, Hassan Rouhani and the Emir, the Emir of Qatar, both sides agreed that de-escalation is the only solution for the region. This is coming out of the Middle East. He said, we agreed that the only solution to these, these crises is de-escalation from everyone and dialogue. The Trump administration has repeatedly said they'll sit down with Iran anytime with no preconditions. Trump himself has said that. Trump said, I do not seek war. I seek peace with Iran when he took out this Soleimani. He also said, Iran will never have a nuclear weapon as long as I am president of the United States. Well, that's got to be chafing to Iran for certain. But he said, our aim is not to kill enemy soldiers. The Iranian said, our aim is not to kill enemy soldiers. That means U.S. soldiers. That was not important. The Jerusalem Post reported yesterday that riot police in black uniforms and helmets amassed at this city square at Tehran University and and several other landmark places in the city. The Revolutionary Guard members patrolled the city on motorbikes and plainclothes security men were out in force. The Jerusalem Post says what is absent in most of the reporting from Tehran is that many of the protesters are protesting against Iran's leadership, not the United States. President Trump has been tweeting support for the protesters. Of course there are people there that hate the U.S. They've been misled. But most of them understand that the problem is their own government, not the United States of America. But even our own politicians, all on Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and all this crowd, who really want to remake America more than they love America. They really want to destroy Donald Trump more than they love America. Their actions prove that. The Iranians, the Post says, Jerusalem Post says, have expressed anger over the downing of the plane and misleading explanations. They're also mourning the dead, which include many of the young people who were studying abroad that were on the flight. And it goes on and on. We live in a time of discernment. uh, BBC was saying the same thing. But you read our American press, and it is so nuanced, it is so slanted, not only in what they say, but what they choose to omit from their reporting here in America. And that's why we live in a time when we must have discernment. I write this article every day. It's at Faith and Freedom, Faith, A-N-D, Freedom.us. And if you go to that website, the first thing that comes up is the article that I've written that day or the blog. Today I wrote about this issue. A lot of people are reading, and I don't know if they agree with me or not. That that comes later, but it doesn't matter. I, I feel very strongly about this. This is a time for discernment. There's always a time. Daniel lived in a time of when discernment was needed. We always do. But this is particularly acute because there's so much misinformation out there, and there are so many channels, platforms in which to deliver misinformation. Discernment is a word that's used in Psalm 119 verse 66, as the word taste in most of the translations. 
It's the ability to make discriminating judgments to distinguish between and recognize the moral implications of different situations and courses of action. It includes, discernment includes the, the ability to weigh up, to weigh the circumstances and assess the moral and spiritual status of people and situations. But discerning is not judge, judging, and we have to be very careful with this. While warning, warning us against judging Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 and 6, he urged us to be discerning and discriminating, but urged us not to be judgmental. And we have to be very careful with that, but this is a time when we need to be discerning. Discernment is its like learning to think what God thinks. It's like a biblical worldview that, it, in reality, in, in, its, in its use, it means having a sense of how things look through God's eyes and seeing them in some measure uncovered and laid bare. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 3 talks a little bit about that. Discernment affects our lives in, in a, a number of ways, but it acts as a means of protection. It guards us from being deceived spiritually. It protects us from being blown by every wind of biblical doctrine that's put out there that isn't biblical. But discernment can also act as an instrument of healing when it's exercised in grace and love. But if it isn't exercised in grace and love, it is still a gift and it can be misused. It can be destructive when it's driven by human and carnal motives. And that's why we need to seek God and stay in tune, keep turned toward the Lord, keep your eyes on Jesus. But discernment is a gift of God. It functions as a key to personal freedom. Growing in discernment by educating our conscience through God's word is spiritual growth. Discernment serves as a catalyst to spiritual development. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 6 in the NIV, which I don't use hardly at all, but the NIV uses the word discerning. Proverbs 14, 6 says, The mocker seeks wisdom and finds none, but knowledge comes easily to the discerning. We live in a time when we've got to be informed. I constantly hear Christians say, and I have been in the Christian community my entire life, grew up in a Christian home. My parents, my grandparents, my great-grandparents were Christians, some of them in the ministry. But in the environment in which I live, I still hear Christians constantly say, I can't take this. I don't want to know what's going on in politics. I don't want to know what... Iran thinks, I just can't handle this. Well, you've got to handle it because it's happening. And I even think there's a measure of accountability before God. I don't think God gave us our life, and he did. He knew us before we were formed in our mother's womb. I don't think God gave us life so that we could sort of float through it and feel good about everything all the time. I mean, happiness is a wonderful thing. I, I much prefer to be happy than sad. But sometimes life has its bumps and its ups and downs. And it is in those times when our faith is tested, it is in those times that we, we grow and we mature and we strengthen in our faith. But I will tell you that God has not called us to become absent in the culture. God has called us to be present in the culture, to be salt and light. And how can we be salt and light? How in the world can we impact somebody in our world, in our community, in our family, if we don't even know what's going on in the world? We've got to know what's going on in the world, but we've got to look at it 
through the lens of God's Word. Hey, I'm out of time. I'll see you tomorrow.